Get up. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. For me, historically, this has actually been a troublesome passage. It's one that's been used and sometimes abused, in my opinion, by many a well-meaning Christian. Used and abused by a theology that if we have enough faith, we will be healed. And then the horrible flip side implication. If we don't get healed, simply don't have enough faith. And faith in this context, which often means prayer. I first bumped into this idea of faith, prayer, being the definition and the cause of healing. I bumped into it first right after college when my aunt died of breast cancer, very young, early 40s. And our family actually heard rumblings. You know, she'd only gone to church more. She'd had Jesus in her heart. If she'd prayed more. Oh yeah, as if everyone who prays and is faithful has a control lever to God, and as if God will dole out medical healing miracles in proportion to how faithful and prayerful we are. I mean, if you play this out, when you consider that our lives are by nature finite and that we are all going to die of something someday, this whole idea of prayer and enough prayer making you well doesn't make practical sense. Your faith has made you well. This potentially troubling passage was at the end of our reading this morning. It's from the powerful story of the ten lepers being healed. They're ten people with chronic skin diseases. The term leprosy back then was an umbrella term for any chronic illness that manifested itself in the skin. So it could, for example, include psoriasis, measles, shingles. It was a catch-all for a whole spectrum of diseases. And if you had one of these diseases, by religious law, you were unclean. You were to live outside of community. So these 10 men and women, ritually unclean, living outside, outcast from their communities, they call out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests. That had to be a bit perplexing. Why go to the priests to be declared clean when they're still ill and unclean? But they have enough faith to be obedient, and they begin walking to the priests, and voila, they're healed. They're made clean. But this isn't the end of the story. This isn't where Jesus says, your faith has made you well. He says it after one of the ten, an outsider amidst the outsider, someone who was a Samaritan who wasn't even considered part of the Jewish family. He says it after this Samaritan sees he's been clean and instantly begins praising God. And seeing that he's clean, he sees God's hand in this miracle. 
He sees that Jesus is the source of the divine healing. And his heart is so full of awe, he praises God right off the bat and instantly turns to Jesus, falls at Jesus' feet, and thanks Jesus. I mean, just imagine that moment, seeing this miracle of an illness lifted, of something that has been totally out of your control, something that makes you outside of community and has expelled you, that instantly disappearing, awe, gratitude, This man, this one out of the ten, makes the connection. He sees the connection of his healing with God. And his whole being erupts with praise and awe and gratitude. This is when Jesus says, get up, go on your way. This is the moment when the healed person lives into gratitude that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now the others had what we would call faith. They asked for mercy. They prayed. Then they followed Jesus' instruction. They followed Jesus. But Jesus doesn't tell them their faith has made them well. He tells the man who sees the miracle for what it is. He sees God's hand in the miracle. And he then praises God, he thanks God, he worships Jesus. So what if this passage is about a bit of a different definition of faith? Faith not being just prayer, not being just supplication and hope for change. But what if faith were our response to what Jesus does in the world? What if this passage And what Jesus is emphasizing with this one person were a passage about faith as a spiritual journey with a sort of destination of gratitude. So let's take a look at that path. It begins with all ten of them recognizing their brokenness and then praying, praying to Jesus. It's a beginning of yearning for healing in ourselves, and in the others around us. This reaching out to God then follows with Jesus saying, go to the priests. This yearning, this reaching out of God follows with following Jesus. Our scripture and our tradition teach us how to follow. And we're midway through a class on the way of love, a rule of life, a class looking at the constellation of practical ways that we can live into the love of God and grow in the love of God. And these are concrete pathways that will open us up to the transformation that's out there for everyone, even the outsiders, even the outsiders of the outsiders, even the most reviled, the lepers, the Samaritans, because nothing can separate us from the love of God or even ourselves. But that is not the end of the journey. The next step is a turning point in our faith journey. It's seeing what Jesus is doing in the world. The difference between the one who turned back 
and the other nine is that he sees this healing and he sees God's hand alive in his life and the life of those around him. So it's not about the specifics of the physical healing. The point is seeing Jesus alive, seeing healing, grace, and mercy alive around us, seeing transformation in ourselves and in others. And then the next step, responding. This is like a fork in the road, a turning. And this step is the leper, that one person who's healed, the Samaritan, turning back to Jesus, reorienting himself and immediately praising God in a loud voice, boldly, loudly, like we do here, like we do with our singing. And we've already done with our singing and we'll do some more with our singing. And the third step in this response is he falls prostrate prostrate before Jesus, humble awe at what God can do. And then the final step, gratitude, thanking Jesus. As we thank Jesus from the bottom of our hearts, from, and he thanks Jesus from the base of his feet with his whole being as he's lying there. This, in a sense, could be a cons- considered a climax of our spiritual journeys, living in gratitude. And this is when Jesus says, get up and go. Your faith has made it you well. Your faith, your response to what I have done has made you well. Your faith, your praise, your joy, your thanksgiving, your response to my love and mercy and my grace in you and others, That response is what has restored you. The theologian Karl Barth writes that grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Divine grace and gratitude, heaven and earth. This path back to me, says Jesus, is what has restored you. Seeing my grace, responding with praise, this is what makes you well. Now the Greek word that is translated as well, sosokin, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, this word could be translated more literally as saved. Your faith has saved you. Or in the King James Version, it's translated as whole. Your faith has made you whole. So our faith has praise, joy, awe, gratitude. That is what saves us. That praise, joy, awe, gratitude to God is what makes us whole. So this is our spiritual journey. From recognizing the brokenness, praying, seeing God in the world, whether it's in us or in others, and offering praise and thanksgiving. And it's not a linear path. It's not a one-and-done thing where we start broken, there's healing somewhere around us, we're grateful, and everything's hunky-dory forever and ever. Amen. It is a spiritual journey that shapes us over time. It draws us deeper into the love of God, deeper into the awareness of God's abiding love for us all around us, but it's a journey that's renewed daily. 
The writer Anne Lamott says her two favorite prayers are number one in the morning, help me, help me, help me. Number two at night, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's what we do here on Sunday. Do you know what the Greek word for gratitude is in this text? It's Eucharisto. Sound familiar? Eucharist? Our Eucharist, what we're about to do, what we're here collected to do, is the great thanksgiving. So every week, whether we feel it or not, we gather together in this outpouring of gratitude. And what does our Eucharistic prayer start with? When either I or Reverend Nate are up at the altar, what do we say? Lift up your hearts. And we lift them up unto the Lord. Then we say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And you all say, it is right to give God thanks and praise. And then we say, and we continue, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. So let us get up, go on our way, our faith, our seeing, our worship, our gratitude makes us well makes us whole and saves us. Amen.